In this edition of the podcast, Sydney Gallery and Art Consultancy Curatorial & Co is moving their physical gallery space to a new home in Woolloomooloo. We speak with gallery owner Sophie Vander about discovering the fortuitous new space, the change in image this might mean for the gallery, and about the evolution and challenges of managing a commercial gallery in 2023. I'm Tim Stackpool, and this is Inside the Gallery. Welcome to the podcast once again, and as always, let's acknowledge the original custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced and downloaded, and in my case again, that's Gadigal Land, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. And don't forget, you can also find a transcript of this edition in the description of this episode at www.insidethegallery.com.au, and that's with thanks to the Australian Arts Channel, which you can view for free at www.australianartschannel.com.au Surrounded by galleries including Chalk Horse, Coma, Jericho Contemporary and King Street Gallery on William and a short walk from the Art Gallery of New South Wales, a new space for Curatorial & Co at 80 William Street, Woolloomooloo cements the gallery as a key player in Sydney's contemporary art scene. The gallery features an expansive 150 square metre exhibition space measuring 5 metres in height alongside an additional 150 metre square storage and office space. It's fronted by 17 metres of glass, inviting passers-by to view Curatorial & Co's eclectic and ever-changing range of works, with displays, as you'll hear, evolving almost every week to showcase a variety of new artists. Originally created as an online enterprise in 2015, Curatorial & Co has since gone from strength to strength, transitioning to a physical space previously in Redfern in August 2020 during the height of the pandemic, and to be honest, defying odds to become a successful gallery recognised for its agility and unique exhibition approach during uncertain times. The gallery is in situ at its new location from early May, and the founder and director, Sophie Vander, joins us on the phone now. Sophie, thanks for speaking with us on Inside the Gallery. Tim, thank you for having me. The first question is, of course, is why the move to Woolloomooloo? Well, sometimes great opportunities are thrust upon you, and I think this is one of them. We've been in our Redfern Gallery now for nearly three years, and unfortunately the big bad developers have moved in and decided to pull down our gorgeous warehouse building. The building, in fact, the whole block and the next building over were all purchased um, not long after I took the lease. So I'm pretty sure there was some intention there all along. And I found out about it later on. But some things happen for a reason. And we've actually, um, we've absolutely loved the time we've had in our red friend space. And it's, it was a bit of a Aladdin's cave and that you kind of had to ring the bell and, and come in and mm. all the glories inside mm. presented themselves. But with the move to Woolloomooloo, um, which actually kind of, came about by accident as well. I just went to look at a different property and it wasn't right and I got talking to the agent and he's like, leave it with me, I've got an idea. And he went back and presented our gallery to Terrace Tower Group who were the owners of 80 William Street and oh. they were like, we need someone like Curatorial & Co in the space to kind of bring another level of 
culture, sophistication, art, whatever, to to William Street into their mm. building. And then it all just kind of happened very quickly from there. So I feel very, very lucky that we, um, we've we been invited into this really gorgeous space, which is no longer an Aladdin's cave. It is out and proud right there on the corner mm. of Riley and William for all to see. You're coming from what you're talking about, the Aladdin's cave. And this new space is very open and clean. There's a lot of natural light, very much public, if you like, because you can you can see straight into the space. It's a very fresh kind of feel. You're exactly right. And I had to kind of think about how how that would be, how my brand would be projected from now on with this kind of space. And I think I couldn't have had this kind of space three years ago because like like you said, mm. I kind of jumped to that online online world and you know quite a curated online space to mm. Redfern, which was like baby steps to be able to show works in a in a bricks and mortar space, but still have that kind of some little bit of anonymity and that you could you, you invite people in. And now there's this huge leap. So I don't think I could have been that kind of retail gallery space three years ago. I don't mm. think I had it in me yet, you know. So I, I feel like I feel like I put my big girl pants on and now I've kind of <laughs> grown up and yeah, like now now we're all on show and it absolutely changes your brand and it absolutely changes the way you work, the way I work and the way we're going to have to work. And I'm saying to my team, like, I don't know how we're going to work. I don't know how this will feel. So we're all just kind of going to dive in and go, okay, well, this is how it's going to work. And you're on the front desk today and this is what's going to happen when someone comes through the door. So the, there's a whole lot of, you know, mm. logistics that go along with mm. having a space that is so exposed and becomes a retail environment. It's a blank canvas. It's, a, it's an art cliche, but it, it truly is. How are you going to fit this out or, or how have you fitted this out? Well, the beautiful thing about Redfern, and now I'm translating that to William Street, is that all of the walls within the space are movable. So there's only one big wall that's five and a half metres high and I think it's about 10 metres long that doesn't move and everything else moves within the space. So and that's that's the that was the joy of Redfern as well. Like we could make little areas and little nooks and crannies and, and little niches where people can kind of move through the work and I fully intend to do that with this space as well. So even though it has this vast ceilings and feels very open and clean, I'm still very mindful of what people love about our gallery in that it's it's intimate and it and has little moments in it that you can kind of take and pause and take it all in and we'll have seating in there so you can sit down and, mm. and ponder the work. So I'm very mindful about creating little moments for our artists and for our visitors so that it doesn't feel overwhelming and exposed and I don't want it to feel like this kind of white wall fluorescent space that's just not me and it's never mm. been me and it's never mm. been our brand. So, yes, with all that glorious ceiling height and natural light, I'm very mindful about still creating those little spaces and moments for, for everybody that visitors, visits. And I haven't actually done it yet, but I know I will. <laughs> I think sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating in a commercial gallery space when perhaps you are the only person as a visitor walking in there. And so all the attention that the staff have is on you yeah. when you walk around. Yeah. And that's... And that unfortunately can stop people from actually pushing that door open to come through. That's a challenge, I guess, you recognise. Do you have any ideas as to how to get over that? Look, I think it's just being really welcoming. Like we've mm. right from the beginning, whoever walks through our door, whoever it is, we'll like, 
hi, come in, how are you? How was your day? Would you like a glass of water? Come sit down, spend some time. Can I get you a cup of tea? Literally, it's like coming into someone's home and I hope we can continue that in this space. I know we will. You know, so for me, it's just about treating everyone that comes through that door as an individual and finding out who they are and, and why they're there. Like, you know, a, a lot of the times people are there just to look happy to leave them alone. We know very quickly that that's the case or others who want to have a chat and know about the work and hear about the artist and maybe the artist is there and we can introduce them and that dialogue happens. So for me, I, I really want to continue that very welcoming space. It's accessible and open to everybody and that right from the get-go from from launching online that was always my intention that mm. art is for everybody and to kind of break down that stark white wall gallery fluorescent light kind of vibe and and really make it somewhere that people want to come and spend time with us yeah and i think anyone who knows you and has had contact with you in the past knows that that's what's going to happen i think that's an, e an easy expectation thank you when i was growing up in Sydney, Paddington along Oxford Street there, it was gallery after gallery after mm. gallery. Has William Street now become Art Central? I think it's Creative Central, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think there's such diversity there of the types of art and creativity and it has this beautiful like commercial and public art spaces. So we're lucky enough to sit on the corner of Riley Street that obviously goes straight up to uh, Art Gallery of New South Wales and Sydney Modern. Right over the road, we've got beautiful King On William and Randy and her team that are just, you know, absolute legends in, in the art world. Chalk Horse, of course, and Jericho Contemporary, kind of young guns. But then you've got like First Draft that has an extraordinary lineup and directorship there of, of works that are coming through that are experimental and immersive. Coma Gallery in Stanley Street. So there's that real hub but I, and the Australian Design Centre as well. So mm. I think you have, and the museum. <laughs> so I think it's not just Art Centre. I think, you know, if you go down to Trumper Park, that still feels very established art gallery feel and vibe there. But I think with William Street and Darlinghurst and Woolloomooloo, I think there's a bit more edge, a bit more vibrancy, a bit more like what's next, what's coming, people with a finger on the pulse or willing to experiment and and, you know, yeah, I think it's the future. I really do. And, and I'm so lucky to be plonked there for mm. the foreseeable future because I'm really mm. excited to see then what comes from that. And I think people like um, or, you know, companies like um, like Terrace Tower Group that are, have actively sought out a commercial yet creative business to be involved in their building I think says a lot too. So I think that whole strip is it's going to change, yeah. Yeah, I, I really hope so. And I think there's so much activity that's going on around there. And I'm very, very excited to feel a part of that. Yeah, I wonder what you think of this, Sophie. Sydney has a great focus on business. And I wonder if the building of culture, as you've just talked about, mm -hmm. is the new point of difference. You know, we, we've been so focused on lockdowns with COVID, economic difficulties. Now we're, you know, entering a, a, another period of of focusing on being frugal. Do you think that the building of an arts culture, as you've just described, is that thing that people are seeking and searching for? Is it economic evolution, perhaps? What do you think? I think it has to be. I can't. I, I think we can't continue how we've gone on in just in excess, you know, and I think art can be a part of your life in the most minute way or in the most extreme way, you know. So I think... Mm -hmm if we are entering a world of being frugal and, and counting our pennies and watching everything we do because we don't know where the world's going, I think you can still immerse yourself in art in completely free ways. 
Mm. And I think if there's institutions that continue to show that, like every commercial gallery is free. You don't mm. have to go in mm. there and buy something. Mm. And people maybe forget that. They, they feel like maybe there's an expectation that if you go into a commercial gallery that you're going to have to buy something. That's absolutely not the case. It's certainly not the case with us. We want you to come in and just sit down and be with the work. We're happy to talk about the work. So I think art has always, in, in no matter the economic times that our centuries and you know have been through, art has always been there because it can be free. You know, and mm. it, and it ha- is egalitarian. <laughs> like it is for everybody, and it, you yeah. can find it anywhere on the street, in an establishment, in an institution, in a commercial gallery. You can find it. You step out into the street, and you can see the graffiti and the mm. the, the street art performance art like all of that it's it's all there for the taking and i think people can immerse themselves in that no matter what state of the economy you know it could also be a little bit in a response to those years of lockout laws that we had mm. where actually getting out and having a good time was was held back yeah. from us you know yeah. to a certain extent i mean not everyone needs to party on after 2am in the morning admittedly but so many people just saw that as a restriction on enjoying themselves. Mm. And for that reason, we saw so many businesses go under. Perhaps the release from that is to see this visual art in places as you've just spoken about. I just wonder, Sophie, though, whether in this period of economic concentration, Mm -hmm. is this a good time for a gallerist such as you to be expanding your business? Probably not, Tim, but you know what? (laughs) I've never done anything the way it's supposed to be done my entire life. Tell me no and I'll do it anyway. I opened my first bricks and mortars. I took the lease in in April 2020. Mm. And I was like, what? You know, like, do I keep going? Uh, uh, What do I do? Like, I was, that real moment is like, what do I do? And I was like, nah, just keep going, Soph. Just keep going. And I did, and although we couldn't actually open until August, and then even when we opened, we were allowed like five, ten people in the space at once, and then most of our exhibitions had to become virtual. So we did, you know, wonderful three-dimensional virtual interactive exhibit. Like it taught me to do things differently to still engage an audience. Um, And my great team who had all these skills I didn't even know they had, suddenly it all came out and we got through, and not only did we get through, we got through really well and we were able to support our artists and all our beautiful collectors were able to do that too now the fact that this space because I was like okay I have to find another space where is that going to be this my hand was forced I had no intention to leave Mm. but when a space like this comes available like you just got to grab it Mm. so you know as I was taught growing up by my mother say yes and work it out later so I've had many a moment (laughs) where I'm going is this the right thing to do? But you just got to keep going. Yeah, and you're particularly in a good position because the landlord definitely wants you there. Which is delightful, right? Like I just couldn't yeah. believe it. Like they actually came and it was almost like I was being interviewed for the for the role rather than anything else. They came to visit the gallery and oh. see the artists. And so they were genuinely interested in the type of space I was going to make there. And they have been like I, I cannot fault how they've worked with me it's been divine and and the space that was there before were actually two spaces quite everyone kind of knew the iconic fitbiz space that was like the punching bag and treadmills and then the mailbox center that was next door the printer yeah i know the one yeah yeah yeah. it was like hot pink and lime green and purple and mailboxes and so i mean i i also have a way where i can walk into a space and have a vision and i walked into there and i i couldn't see the 
hot pink walls and purple and lime, I saw my gallery and mm. when and I'm not sure they knew I could see it. <laughs> but just being in that space, I was like, I, I know how to I know. I know how to make this work and it's going to be beautiful. I'm, I'm very grateful to the landlords for sure. Not many people say that, hey. <laughs> no, it's um, it's an excellent situation you're in. And and you've talked a little bit about your history there, being an online gallerist. This is your second bricks and mortar iteration. It sounds like a fairy tale, but there have been tough moments, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, pandemic, right? So, mm. yes, it was not being able to show the works. I, I had this mm. great vision of oh, wow, I'm finally going to – and I was doing, when I was online, I had a small space up on the North Shore where I live and I had pop-ups that I did all around Sydney and that was great fun. And But I really had a vision of what I wanted to do and, and to do the right thing by my artists to give them a proper exhibition program and to properly show their works and connect them to the buyers that I had. So I felt really sad that I wasn't able to do that properly in that first year and mm-hmm. year and a half mm-hmm. in particular. Like – Virtual reality was fantastic. We we made all sorts of wonderful things happen and and creating content. So I actually come from a magazine background. So making content for me was key in that I could try and do video work and interviews and all of that stuff with, with my artists to connect them to people who were sitting at home, you know, scrolling in lockdown. So it, ma- it made me get out and challenge all of that was supposed to be, that a gallery was supposed to be. But because I was already set up online, I was also many steps ahead already of other galleries that didn't have an online presence. So that was an accidental bonus. Mm. I don't think there's a month that's gone by when it hasn't been a challenge. Like I (laughs) I think every gallerist will tell you that. Yeah, And that's a nice, honest perspective, that one, Sophie, yes. Let me get down to uh, what we can expect from you. You have a focus on emerging and mid-career artists, right? Yes. And why is that? I think it comes down to why I started the online gallery to begin with because I really saw a gap in the market where this kind of new wave or new generation of emerging collectors were coming through. So people who were, like like we were saying, a bit scared to walk into a white wall gallery or an established mm. gallery, I'm like, I don't know mm. if I'm am I wearing the right thing. Am I going to ask the right questions? Do I how, how, Can I ask how much that is? You know, like that. those kind of people that, that were ready to buy art, that wanted to make their spaces beautiful, wanted to start a collection but didn't know how. So starting the online gallery meant that it was I, I had all of the artist bios, all their CVs, all their interviews up there, every price out and there. They could see exactly what was what. So I think that was just a continuation of that and finding the connection between the emerging artist and the emerging collector, putting right. them together and letting them grow. And we it's really worked in so many ways that we've got collectors that had never bought a piece before, fell in love with one of our artists who's emerging, and now they've not only bought multiple pieces by the artist, but now they're growing up with them. So they might have started with a small paperwork. They've gone to a larger canvas. Now they've got a major work on their wall. And that kind of beautiful continuum will, will, will keep going and that relationship will keep going for as long as that artist is making work. So I love building that connection between emerging artist and emerging collector and watching them thrive together. Mm, now, you're obviously excited about the new space, but give us a bit of a shopping list about what you've got planned over the coming months. Oh, wow. So... 
We are launching with uh, fantastic Susie Giroux painting and Elisa Mixad ceramics. So Susie does these beautiful large-scale seascape works that really kind of draw on like 15th century European oil painting techniques but kind of brings in contemporary technologies and bringing in spectrographs and all sorts of wonderful mm. things. So she's she's really taken her practice to the next level. She is just um, showing up at the Tweed mm. Gallery after winning the prize for the Tweed Prize at her um, Master's at the National Art School. So mm -hmm. she's been with me since the beginning too. So I feel like this is a beautiful kind of thank you to Susie also for, for being a part of it right from the beginning and now this is like a, kind of a big showcase of her work. And then in contrast to that, Alisa Mixad, who's only been with me for a short time, but just showed a collection of work at Shepparton Art Gallery in Victoria, whose uh, ceramic works take inspiration from the Greeks and Etruscans and kind of those ancient forms, but she's made them spiky and coily and wonderfully tactile. So she'll be showing with us as well. And then coming up after that in uh, end of May, June will be Morgan Stokes, who we showed at Sydney Contemporary last year. With, this is his mm. um, third solo with us and very different artist to, who, to Susie, totally stripped back, talks to the painting as an object and the materiality of the painting rather than paint. Very considered minimalist artist and very excited to show his work before he gets takes off overseas to to a number of residencies he's doing in Europe. So we're very lucky to have him just mm. before he takes off and who knows what will come after that. Yeah. Um, and then in June uh, slash July will be Katrina O'Brien, uh, another just fabulous emerging artist who does large-scale paperworks, although she's telling me she's trying a hand at some canvases so that's exciting too so Katrina moves with her hands on the paper like there's it's quite a dance in fact when we did her first solo at Redfern we had um a beautiful dancer called Maeve from the London Ballet come over she was in she had to come over during lockdown and she danced in amongst Katrina's paper paintings that were suspended from the ceiling and I think we'll probably continue that uh kind of love that Katrina has of dance and music and her work all in an immersive collection so that there'll be mm. multiple levels of creativity going on there which is very exciting then Ingrid Daniel will be coming up she's from Dan Jan Jack landscape paintings and then the wonderful Belinda Street who's our latest artist we've just uh, brought on she won the Paddington Prize in 2019 yeah yeah um and from Newcastle and very 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 excited for um Belinda's Kosciuszko series to be showing in the gallery and uh, keep going. That's an, that's an insane timetable, Sophie. Boy, oh boy. Anyone who's listening to the podcast after your opening, there's plenty going on. But I, I just wonder, like, what's your what's your turnaround between hangs? For the first few, we are doing about three weeks. But after that, it's more like two weeks. Yeah. And I'll, I have a lot of questions asked me about why so quick. Mm. And the simple answer was, was COVID because what was happening everyone's attention spans were very short, right? Mm, so mm. we couldn't have people in. So we would hang up for 10 days, do our video work, got in like the handful of people were allowed. Oh, okay, and next one, you know. So it became quite a quick turnover. Mm. I do things my way and maybe they're not the way that it's been done. And I can't imagine having a show up for four weeks you know right. um I just I get bored very easily and I think audiences get bored very easily um and so you know like we sell most of our works before they get hung 
for a start. Mm, mm. Um, and those who want to come will make time to come. Mm. So particularly with somewhere like William Street where you've got the same people driving and walking past every day, it's a lot, but we're going to keep it fresh. So it'll be every two weeks after that as well. And But initially, because <clears throat> we're going to be exhausted, <laughs> we've got that the first six months is predominantly three-week shows that we've, we've got going on. And to be honest, I mean, it's nice to have various perspectives within so many different gallerists around Sydney. I think that kind of really creates a, a level of diversity for those who actually do love hopping from gallery to gallery mm. quite often. You know, it's the weekend thing. So um, that's going to work out. Before we finish up, I just want to talk about you a little bit, if that's okay, Sophie. You're sure. a graduate in art theory at the University of New South Wales. Now you're a gallerist. Do those two things kind of fit together or was there a bit of an evolutionary trail to follow? Oh, there was a not just an evolutionary trail, but a giant leap of faith. <laughs> so, yes, I studied to be a curator, art writer at COFA, um, studying uh -huh. art theory. I just don't think I'm a terribly good theorist. I'm more an action kind of gal. But in saying that, I did in the early 90s. I grew up in Brisbane, didn't know anyone in Sydney, graduated mm. from COFA not knowing anyone, volunteered my backside off for several years at multiple different places and just couldn't couldn't get my leg in. Like I just couldn't couldn't break into that. And, sure. and I think in the early 90s in Sydney it was very much a closed shop and mm. so accidentally ended up as a magazine editor for nearly 20 years, which took me overseas for 10 of those. And yeah. most uh, recently was in Singapore and I was like, what am I doing? I just need to get back to doing what I was supposed to do all along. And had an epiphany, came home, got an ABN, got a website done, started and just started. A, a giant leap would probably yeah. be it. But it's funny. Like I, I don't, I feel like being a curator, gallery owner, whatever, but I, it, it's not dissimilar to being a magazine editor. Like you, you are working in content, you know, you're working mm. in storytelling, you're working with multiple personalities and theories and you know, your reader is your buyer and your your writers and photographers are your artists and you're putting it all together in this kind of melting pot. So I don't think I could have done what I'm doing now without all of that. Even though I've never worked in a commercial gallery, it's also been advantageous to me because I am just doing it my, my way. And yeah. it's really just intrinsic and kind of gut that I'm going on. So there's probably things, there's absolutely things I'm doing wrong and there's absolutely things I shouldn't be doing. And there's absolutely things that aren't done the way it's supposed to be done. But that's also part of the fun. That's entrepreneurial spirit too, I think, as a business owner that has to be recognised. Well, thank you. I've never thought of myself as entrepreneur, but I guess you could say that. <laughs> you talked about working overseas and, of course, uh, not necessarily in the arts capacity, but it still gives you a perspective there. I just wonder whether you see that in Australia we have this a bit of a parochial attitude as to how operating in the arts uh, has to be undertaken, whereas internationally I find that there's a greater level of confidence in being involved in the arts and talking about the arts and working in the arts. I think Australians absolutely are parochial when it comes to the arts. And I think we do it twofold. I mean, obviously, geographically, it's very difficult to get out, send works, bring works in. Like, it, that puts a barrier for us. But, you know, and I think we like to support Australian and support Australian artists and, and, and buy Australian, and that's been kind of molded into us for so mm. so long which is wonderful and but when I started this knowing what was out there and what was overseas so I was not so much Europe but I was predominantly in America and Asia 
initially a lot of the artists I brought on board were from overseas and then that kind of dissipated and now I'm mostly sticking within Australia. But I think Australians are scared to kind of get out and doing that. And when artists are looking for representation overseas, I, I don't think they fully understand how to do it, who to approach. And there's only when there's another Australian connection overseas that they they feel comfortable doing that. Mm. Um, I think First Nations art is having a huge time right now over in America and in and in the UK. But I think there's, you know, obviously galleries that have outposts in the US or in Asia or in the in Europe have that connection. There's so few of them. Um, and I look forward to actually doing things like art fairs in Asia and in America. I'm a bit scared of Europe, don't know why, but because I just, I know America quite well. So mm. I'm, I'm looking forward to taking our Australian artists onto that world stage. And I want them to have representation overseas. I want them to have that experience. So I'm really excited to do that. I think, I don't know why we're so scared to do it. I really don't. The difficulty is, is that the conduits for representation overseas are not clear. Mm. And Australian artists are, are perhaps don't have the resources available to them in order to find their way yep. uh, when it comes to international representation or international sales, apart from bunging stuff up on the, on the internet. I mean, look, we do have great state-driven representation, Creative Australia, all that sort of stuff. But I think compared to places like and let me talk about Europe. I mean, you can you can go to your local car mechanic in a small village in Italy and the guy will have an opinion on art. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that culture in Australia. And that unfortunately just feeds into the fact that we don't have that conduits to the rest of the world. But I think you're right. I think isolation is a big part of that too. Yeah. And I think uh, obviously the internet has brought that closer to us. And, and even over the pandemic, I loved going, you know, all the galleries around the world had their own little videos that you could do and go mm, through the mm. galleries. And and I hope that, you know, triggered something in some people, you know, that, oh, okay, the, the world really is a small place and I, I have a place there. And, but, yeah, short of going over and putting your work in front of them, I, I don't know how artists do get that. And, and I think they're also expected to live there. I think if you go there, a bit mm. like Hollywood, you know, you've got to go there, live there, immerse yourself in there, and then you might get talking. But I have no problem working with overseas artists here and and I really look forward to actually taking on some more overseas international artists into the gallery. I think that's very exciting because we can't always find what we need here either. So it's exciting to look further afield and I do hope more Australian artists get out and get over there and really find representation and, and, you know, like Morgan's doing with his international residency. So the more international residencies artists do, I think that's super important as well, that they immerse themselves in those environments and get a totally different perspective than what we have here, which is quite closed in. Yeah, I I don't suggest that there's no opportunity to do so, but I think the people that actually take the path least trodden, Mm. Sophie, they seem to find a unique success. Look, it's been terrific talking to you. I've had you on the phone here now for 30 (laughs) minutes or so, a terrific chat. You have this amazing commanding position now on William Street. I hope the gallery goes well. And we should talk again soon Thank you, uh, in the future to see how everything's going. I would love that. And please do come and visit. That's Sophie Vander, founder and director of Curatorial & Co, talking about their new gallery space on William Street in Sydney. And if you want to take a look online, head to curatorialandco.com or head to the gallery itself at 80 William Street when you're next in town. Links to that can also be found in the description of this episode at our website, www.insidethegallery.com.au, and links to our Facebook, Instagram, and newsletter alerts too. 
Thanks to Sophie for joining us this time around and thanks to you for taking a listen. Until next time, I'm Tim Stackpool. Bye-bye for now.